0: what do you know about that man <laughs> that was pretty fun
1: <laughs> talk for me one more time when you get a chance talk for me one more time sounds good <laughs> i was just oh elkhorn's on the rise i figured it would be
0: what's what's the flow i went to check this say
1: 500 right now that's not much 500 on the dot but if it's rising i was planning on going here in about an hour and a half
0: then you'll catch it fine
1: yeah, I think so. It kind of depends on what's going on in Lexington and Georgetown right now. Mm-hmm. So I needed to look at the past radar and see if that storm of that line of storms that came through here hit them hard because mm-hmm. it could just be coming downstream.
0: Well, it's the amount of rain that's on the eastern side of Lexington because if you look at the map, they both head not real far from one another, south and north. If that gets hit hit hard, that's when the creek goes up the most.
1: Well, I am uh, going to be watching. Me and Jameson are thinking about taking a trip. Let's go ahead and kick it off, Lee. We've been told we need to introduce ourselves earlier, so I'm Chase Winiger, host of the podcast, and down with Lee McClellan. Co-host of the podcast, yeah. associate of Kentucky Field Magazine. It's been a long time since we've done a podcast, Lee, but... I know, it's been two weeks, I've been jonesing. It's been, it's been so busy, though, and there's been a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I think the last time we did it was right before we went to Florida. Both of us right?
0: went, to, went to near Destin. I met you at the Walmart parking lot. Parking lot, and brought you uh, your
1: rod. Yeah, thank God. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know if we already said this tonight. They were going to charge me one hundred and seventy-six dollars to ship my rod one way down there, and that's just not worth it. I'd buy a new rod while I was there. If, no doubt. If I was going to do that, but like I said, just talking about the flow of Elkhorn, I want to get out there today. Went on Monday, and I'm pretty sure you did too. Mm-hmm. Memorial Day, and uh, we caught fish. You went much earlier in the day than us. Yes, and we caught fish too. How many do you know about? How well you did?
0: I quit counting around twenty-five. I'd say it was in the twenty-five to thirty range.
1: Well, you did much better than us.
0: <clears throat> not great, but not bad. Kind of medium. A lot of medium-sized fish. Biggest fish was right at 13 and a half or so. So I'd,
1: I'd say by the time I got there, <clears throat> uh, two million boats had been through the creek. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: the human traffic was out.
1: out. A Memorial Day though, yeah, it's probably I mean,
0: that to be expected.
1: It's so. Probably the worst day of the year. And I think I made the mistake of going on Memorial Day last year, too. And if you just want to get out and enjoy a float, it's a great day to do it. But if you're trying to get out there and catch fish, it's a little bit of a toughie.
0: And we noticed it, it, it was the opposite of what normally happens. In the morning, it was sunny, mm-hmm. and we caught more fish. And yeah. about we, we pulled over, ate a sandwich, and then the cloud cover came in, and it looked rainy, but it never rained. And they turned off.
1: Hmm just kind of strange. But the water has a little bit of a tent to it right now.
0: And it has for a
1: long time. So I wonder if that sun combined with the tent could be a good thing mm-hmm. compared to a bluebird sky with clear water. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe, yes. maybe the sunshine actually helps Normally out. Normally
0: sunshine is like, ooh, I'd rather have it overcast. Yeah.
1: But yeah. well, it's the opposite Monday. That tent to the water might provide a little bit of overcast mm-hmm. for the fish that are down there in it. But uh, one of the reasons I got out on the creek the other day is because we went for the show late last week. Friday before Memorial Day. I know because I got sunburned all to pieces the day before I was supposed to be going to the lake and enjoying myself on the boat. So I remember exactly when it was. But we went with a girl who lives here in Frankfurt, one of my buddy's girlfriends. She's a friend of mine, too. And we absolutely slayed them that day. I mean, she caught her biggest smallmouth ever out there.
0: Uh, on Melcorn?
1: Yeah, we filmed Did flirted. y'all film a segment? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be airing here in a few weeks. Uh, I filmed it. And her and Chad were fishing, of course. And uh, put it in at Canoe Kentucky and took it out at 127. Mm-hmm. So... It's a, I mean, it's a great float. Mm-hmm, no doubt. It's what I did Monday. Well, I went just a little bit upstream of uh, Canoe Kentucky Monday because, like I told you, I couldn't find a parking spot. It was so busy. How what big you, was her biggest fish? You know, i want to say the one she, uh, she mostly creek fishes. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really do a whole lot of lake fishing, so, I mean, obviously the opportunity for big fish is a little bit smaller, but I'm going to say 16 inches or so, mm-hmm. which for a creek smallie isn't bad. That's fantastic. You could hear it peel and drag, you know, fishing four, six-pound test line, one of the two. But it was, a, it was a good day. I mean, just being out there on the water is always nice, so I'd like to go do it again today if possible, but I'm looking out this window right now, and I hope it's possible. It
0: looks like 5 o'clock or so we're going to get a pretty good
1: lick. Oh, really? Because this morning when I looked at it, it showed 5 and 6 being partly sunny what? with 5% chance of rain, and then it got a little bit worse at 7 and 8, but I was just hoping I'd catch it for two hours or so. But the way the weather's going right now, you almost have to be right on top of it. Mm-hmm. i have to check it.
0: Well, that's what it. I was looking at Frankfurt on the Weather Channel at lunch. Oh, really? And it was four to five. It jumped up, and then huh. after that, it was
1: cool. Well, maybe I won't be going. Anyway, I got a farm pond next to my house. I can go catch fish there. Mm-hmm. I just can't eat them out of there. So if it's on the rise
0: and in unstable weather, potentially it could be a really good day.
1: We're not floating. We're just going to wade fish, so get out there and i mean, Oh, i would
0: be fine, so, you know. Yeah.
1: If it gets bad, you can run to the car. I was thinking about going to uh, either Sullivan W. May. Put in mm-hmm. there because that's the section from Sullivan up um, is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good area there to. Uh, it is.
0: It's a great waiting
1: area. Oh, it's it, and it <clears throat> it's, it might be one of the most beautiful looking fishing spots in the entire creek. Mm-hmm. If I don't do that, I'd probably park at uh Knight's Bridge and walk up mm-hmm. from basically around you know the bottom there. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a pretty good spot too. But I don't know. I just like the bigger water for some reason for bigger fish. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it gets a little bit shallow in that area.
0: And Sullivan is it's a lot a lot deeper there.
1: Hmm, what do we got going on, uh, coming up here, Lee? I read your uh, your new uh, magazine that just came out. Mm-hmm. It looks like you wrote, what, two articles? I already read yep. one of them.
0: Yeah, I wrote the trout one, yeah. the, the cover story, and then I wrote a column on uh, fitting your shotgun, and we'll probably revisit that, uh, yeah. like, in, in August when before uh, dove season. Because I, I found out, so I bought a new shotgun and found some things out about uh, drop of comb and drop of heel and, and fit. And... Um, it made a big difference. I put in uh, the shims that you can put in, and I, I experimented. And now I'm hitting a lot better with that gun. Really?
1: So, well, yeah. I definitely need all the help I can get. So, yeah, we'll it. it really helped me. Before so. dove season, we'll have to revisit that. Yes, definitely. Because obviously, a shotgun's hard to for me. It's hard for me to find a shotgun that fits well anyway. Being six, six or mm-hmm. six seven or however tall I am, so that would be nice. I just need a cheap factory off the shelf eight seventy, so I know my guns are not fitting me right right now. One
0: of the things I've found out in researching this, and, and, and this is true with a lot of things, most shotguns are made for an average person. Yeah. yeah. And so if you're if you're shorter or taller than the average or your arms are longer, then you're going to have to do some modifications. Oh, yeah. My
1: length of pull is about two inches off mm-hmm. on most shotguns. And uh, I actually use a recoil pad, not even for the recoil reasons. I, yeah, I, I just I use, to make it longer. I use a recoil pad on my 2250, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I could shoot off my nose if mm-hmm. I wanted to and yeah. no recoil at all. But just to get a little bit of length, that's, uh, that's how I've gone about it. But, that uh, The trout article that you wrote, I read through it earlier, and I'll tell you what. It was actually really interesting to me. I kind of get into it. I'm, I'm not a huge trout fisherman, mm-hmm. but I like the biology of it because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a different kind of species that we really have a hard time supporting in Kentucky, but mm-hmm. somehow we also have really good trout fishing on the Cumberland River. And I thought the story about uh, lowering the lake for dam repairs, that's something I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then the, the diploid and the triploid trout, I'm kind of interested in those because I follow the uh, Conrad brothers. You know who I'm talking about? Yes, I they do yeah they catch those monster traploids like, they're the
0: ones out of Saskatchewan, yeah,
1: yeah the that, two. That
0: they have the the concurrent yeah world record
1: rainbows, it's like right? if a world record's broken it's probably by them they're, yeah. they're breaking like their one
0: broke it, and then the other brother broke it yeah. like two years later or
1: yeah, I saw a picture that they put up the other day it was like it might have been last Thursday or something on on Instagram. I don't mm-hmm. know if you do Instagram or not, but they uh put up a picture of this I mean a huge rainbow trout, and somebody commented on it and said, oh, that's the world record that you've gotten." He said, no, this one was only 37 pounds. I was, I was like, only 37 pounds? Wow, that's pretty ridiculous. You
0: know, I fished the Little Red River, which had it for a long, long time in yeah. Arkansas. Um, and that's fabulous trout fishing down there.
1: But the reason those trout get so big is because they're that different, uh, it's not really a species, it's a triploid. Yeah, I'm that, not sure what that means.
0: But they're sterile.
1: Yeah, I, I And, got that. and
0: um, Dave Reeves explained the process of sterilization to me. But what that does is it, Puts energy and fat into getting big instead of reproducing. Okay. So it produces a, a, a bigger
1: fish. So, what's the difference in a, a diploid? Is there, so, is a regular rainbow trout a diploid? Yes. Okay. And then, so a triploid is a genetic modification. Yes. Or and variation. and they,
0: they just do it. Uh, there's a way they, in the hatchery, they manipulate the eggs, mm-hmm. uh, I think through heat or whatnot. But memory serves correctly. And that's how they get them to be triploid.
1: And these, these triploid, is that how you actually mm-hmm. say Because I was saying triploid. Mm-hmm. So triploid. So these triploids get huge compared yeah. to a regular rainbow trout. Though.
0: I mean, they get proportionally bigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't get like twice as big, but they do get yeah. proportionally bigger.
1: Yes. So, But we actually stocked those mm-hmm. triploids yes. in the Cumberland River. And yes. I, so the one of the points of the story here is why we did that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of the reason we did that was to try to bring our trout fishing up. It's, it's almost like a, a shock. Yes. You know, we're trying to shock our troutfish. Jump Yeah, and then, but at the same time, we're introducing those tri- triploids to have big fish soon. We're also introducing bigger diploids mm-hmm. to have bigger fish in the future yeah, so that we'll are hold also them repris- back A little bit to make them a little bit. Bigger. Did you explain that just a little bit? Because, like I said, I read through it earlier. I didn't actually go into the how to catch them part, which I mm-hmm. know is probably what you really want to talk yeah, about. Yeah,
0: well, that's all good. Let me give us some perspective. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell a story. I was smallmouth fishing the main lake one time. Mm-hmm. And we put it the put in at the old dam ramp that no longer exists. That was right beside the the dam there at Lake Hummer. and there was a gentleman who uh, and two guys, and he uh, beached his boat, and uh, it was a Corps of Engineer boat. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Hey, buddy, you know, so I work for fish and wildlife. What's going on?" He's like, well, I've got to use the restroom, buddy." I'm but and then we noticed later where he was at, he was out at that area where critical, what they call critical area one later, mm-hmm. which is where the earthen section meets the concrete superstructure that holds the turbines. Uh-huh. And um, I believe that he was out inspecting that. Okay. And that was during the, right after that is when they came out that Wolf Creek Dam had a significant risk of failure mm-hmm. because- it, Well, that
1: would be absolutely horrible.
0: Yeah. That would have been a tragedy of
1: epic proportions. They say if that dam fails, Nashville has 90 minutes. Yeah. That's what I've heard before.
0: Mm-hmm. I've heard, and then you also have to remember, too, you have Cordell Hole, Old yeah. Hickory, and then eventually Barkley,
1: yeah. and all them would
0: like would be taken out. That's so true. just think of the amount of water that would be going into the it's
1: probably a good thing that they fixed it.
0: Yes. So, <laughs> But during that time, I think this was in the fall of, of two thousand December of 2006, if memory serves correctly, and I think 2007 is when the drawdown began.
1: That's what your article said, 2007 to 14.
0: Yes. Yeah. And in 2007, in that summer, I floated several times in 2007 and 8, That's the best fishing in the history of the world because you had all those trout that used to be in a river that fluctuated wildly during the day because of electrical generation. That was half its normal size and looked like the Cumberland River would have before the dam went in. Yeah. And all those fish were concentrated into half a river and it was glorious. But by 08, 09, we had some camping trips where we went down, and, man, we struggled mightily to catch stalkers.
1: And that's because of the water temperature. The water
0: temperature got yeah. too high, the fish stressed, their body condition went down. So
1: basically the reason that happened was because Cumberland is a is a deep lake, about 180 feet by mm-hmm. the dam. So the water down to the bottom of the lake is really cool. Mm-hmm. And that's where those... Uh, they draw the water
0: for the hatchery.
1: Yeah, then that's where the water that goes under the dam mm-hmm. and really creates the river comes out. And that's why the trout are able to survive in the rivers, because it's such a cool... Uh, flow of water that creates it. And, so when the lake was drawn down, there was less cool water at the bottom. Exactly. So the water temperature in the river became warmer. And and they couldn't
0: release as much while they were repairing. They couldn't generate yeah. every day. So that may uh, the the water temperature to the tailwater, especially from like rock house bottom downstream, mm-hmm. um, was substantially higher than normal. And Crested the 70-degree mark, which is kind of that critical mark where yeah. um, they're going to fight to survive if they're in that water or warmer for a long period of time.
1: Yeah, I think uh, normally it's about 53 degrees, the mm-hmm. water coming out of the dam. And, yes. and when they had it drawn down, it was reaching 70. Yes. So yeah. they aren't spawning. They aren't surviving. So the trout population from 2007 to 14, when they were doing those repairs, really dropped off. It did.
0: And and we, we pretty much lost most all of the big fish,
1: Yeah, that's what especially I
0: the big brown trout.
1: The numbers were in here about... Uh, how many I many say
0: eighty-five percent.
1: Eighty-five percent of the big Lost. fish, and that's fifteen inches or above. Mm-hmm. So we put all these big fish and these different variations of fish in here to bring it back to try jumpstart yes. And it's kind of then based on the stats you gave in your story, it looks like it's working. It's starting to work. Yes, it is. Say, so I think I had uh, something written down. Marcy Anderson, mm-hmm. our fisheries biologist yep. down there, in her sampling, like she was uh, just in two years' time, she was going from six fish per hour sampled. They were over 15 inches. Fifteen inches to twenty something fish per hour. Yes, that's what she got inches, so. so that's a good sign. That's a very good sign. And then if you look at the the state record was something I thought was really interesting, also. Mm-hmm. So that state record was set in nineteen seventy two, mm-hmm. and that was what uh, fourteen point seven or something.
0: And during a time a time rather <coughs> um, when the the, <laughs> the Wolf Creek dams had a kind of checkered history, yeah, um, they were doing the same kinds of things. There was water coming through the dam and mm-hmm. muddy tail race. When It shouldn't have been, and they had to do a drawdown then during the 70s. And they tried that they grounded it and they did a cutoff fault pretty much what they did this time, but they didn't go nearly deep enough. Mm-hmm. And so, those problems resurrected again in the early 2000s. So,
1: so the uh, but the, so this is what my question was so the state record was caught in 72 mm-hmm. and it was 14.6 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a 14.6, mm-hmm. and uh, you have the story in here about how it was caught, and it seems like a wild ride, mm-hmm. but uh. In 2016, uh, another huge rainbow was caught there, and so this is several years after we started putting these triploids in, and it went 14.3.
0: There's a picture of it right there. Oh, yeah. that's almost the same record. <laughs> yeah. So if we have those, then th- that really old record may fall.
1: That's what I'm thinking.
0: And he said during that year in 72 it was a good year for big fish because the, the tail race sometimes was-, was cloudy, and he felt that was conducive to catching big fish because yeah. uh, he just said he had a great... And that was September. He had a great summer catching Yeah,
1: fish. it sounded like he was targeting that cloudy water. Mm-hmm. So here's my question. So the fish caught in 2016 missed the state record by three ounces. Mm-hmm. And it was officially weighed the day after it was caught. So do you think there's any chance it was a state record? Th- there is, yes. Yeah, see, I didn't know how that worked. Because I, honestly, I don't know. I think,
0: um, you know, I've talked about this before. And there is some weight loss, but I think sometimes it's over-exaggerated.
1: Yeah. Well, three ounces on a 15 pound fish almost is, or 14 pound fish. Would be in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I've I've kind of wondered that, but I mean, it's not the state record. The state record still stands, but I remember when that big one was caught. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing people talk about it. I mean, there was a 13 pounder caught down there last year, wasn't Mm there? Something like that. So there's big fish to be caught. And 13 pounds, I mean, obviously sounds like a big fish, but when you see a rainbow trout that's that big, and you know how strong a Rainbow trout is. That'd be a ball, wouldn't it? Oh, my gosh. And the fillets you'd get off that
0: thing. And, and he caught that on old fashioned, old <laughs> yeah. time mono and old time rods. And That's why I said it's it like, four pound mono, wasn't
1: it? I'm looking at the uh, the picture here of the uh, 1972 stay record. I mean, just looking at the boat he's in and that rod he has, I mean, it looks like it would just be ridiculous.
0: <laughs> it, it was a bit. And you know, it was something well, else. I fish I fished with rods from that era. And, you know, I mean, graphite was. Uh, I think still on the horizon then it was most mostly fiberglass and stainless steel guides with no insert and yeah. I mean that's a that's what I grew up fishing
1: with. You know something else that cracked me up about that photo. So we went trout fishing, Blow Wolf Creek and like we said, we caught a nine pound brown. Mm-hmm. We you and Chad were just talking about that in the hallway a few minutes ago. I showed you that picture on the last podcast, I believe. Yes, yes you did. So uh, we put that picture up there and people these you know, there's these certain people, trout musky, who get really particular about the way you hold your fish, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I didn't know any different. I guess Lance had his one of his hands, in in a bad spot, mm-hmm. according to some. So we got a bunch of, you know, stuff for how this fish was being held by one or two people. And I'm looking at how this guy's holding this fish here in this picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got it up at the gill, uh, the gill plate yeah, up it. underneath, it and grabbing around there. Yes, got him the choke hold with one finger in its I eye. I think
0: a lot of people now see the boga grips, and yeah. and they don't want you to touch the trout, and trout are very sensitive to that. Yeah, they're
1: sensitive, but and some
0: people will use a wet rag so they don't or a rag so they don't slip. And yeah. that's that's really bad.
1: A wet rag yeah. is really bad. I know you're supposed to wet your hands before you hold them. Exactly. And I fished hatchery before with a guide, and. Uh, you know, he showed us the, the particularly the right way to, to do it. But, I mean, if you're holding a nine-pound fish, you've got to hold a nine-pound fish. I mean, he had it, you know, horizontal. Mm-hmm. He was holding it by the tail, and I don't know. I didn't see what was wrong with the picture. But you know how some people get really particular.
0: Well, you know, that some people just look for that. That's yeah. their thing.
1: Oh, there's people like that about everything, though.
0: We one time ran uh, a picture of three guys, and uh, th- this was one of my favorite stories, on, and I was doing one on the Ohio River. And there was a gentleman who caught a big saw guy and he was eighty. And these these guys met every day during when the sauger were running below Meldal. And they went to breakfast and they get out there at like five and catch it. And they caught a bunch of nice sauger. But we had ten. Mm-hmm. And that is not the statewide yeah. limit. But on the Ohio, it's ten. Okay. So we got quite a few calls you fools don't even know your own rigs, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, I was gosh. like, well, we should have put on their Ohio River or something, but we didn't. Oh, man. And I was like, well, no, sir, on the Ohio River, the, the special regulation are 10 sauger per
1: day. Yeah, so sauger, though. Mm-hmm. We yes. were catching a nice guy too. Yeah, he had one big
0: it's Sauger and their hybrids, is well.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't know about the sauger. I live next to a Guest Creek lake. Mm-hmm. I live three miles from it. So I've been wanting to try to figure out how to target sauger mm-hmm. because they're in, they're in Guest Creek. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're sauger. In Guest Creek, though, right? No,
0: it's, they're saw guy.
1: There's only saw guy. Mm-hmm. So if I catch a sauger, or, you know, if I catch a sauger, a, a sauger looking fish, is going to be a saw. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to go target them. I need to look up the regs on that, too, and kind of look. I think the damn end of the lake would probably be my best bet. There's some guys here who know how to get into them.
0: Yeah. And have caught them a few times. A lot of times they, they use crappie ish type lures for
1: them. Well, I know. And, uh, and
0: they're not right on the bank either.
1: One of the people up here I know who targets saw guy the most is probably Tim Sun. Mm-hmm. Who isn't, he is obviously retired. He's not here anymore. But you talk to Tim Sloan, he almost talks like they don't exist. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> and then others uh, catch him and kills yeah, <laughs> him. I see pictures of his big saw guys, but, Yeah, he'll go out there and fish for saw guy and he, he can't find them. And then uh, he'll whenever somebody shows a picture of a really nice saw guy they just caught, I mean, yeah, you can see it in his eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so funny. I think he mostly targets them on Taylorsville hmm but uh Taylor's there's, really, there's some
0: guns I think Mike Harden caught a really nice one here while
1: back. In oh, if thing. anybody's gonna catch a really nice anything it's probably Mike Harden yeah no doubt yeah yes I've been to with him he knows what he's doing <laughs> I still need to get with him on muskie but I think I missed that swing this year
0: yeah oh well they'll be back in the fall
1: yep a couple things coming up that I really want to do I want to go cowdy hunting and I'm kind of bummed because June 1 is the end of night season it's no longer in and uh but this time of year it's so hard to Cowdy hunt because of all the Tall grass. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you you need to be able to see a coyote coming. If they get within, you know, the close distance of you, you're probably not even going to know they're there because they're going to smell you long before you ever get a, eyes on them. But uh, if they're cutting hay fields right now, I'm looking for fresh cut hay fields basically on farms I can hunt because that that is a hot spot to find coyotes. They'll actually go out there and follow the bush hogs around, not even afraid of the tractors, just to try to get the dead rabbits or whatever's going to be out there. Mm. But. Uh, if I get a lead on a fresh-cut hayfield here before long, I'm going to go hit the coyotes. Come Good on. deal. Have you ever done that at all, coyote hunting?
0: I've with my brother at his place, but...
1: Really? Very, very little. I like to do more. It's tough, but it's... Uh, I he mean, uses it's a 17 Hornet. So a 17? Mm-hmm. I shoot a 22-250, which yeah, just a little bit bigger. About the same speed. I'm not sure. What is the, what is the speed on a 17? Do you know?
0: I, I don't. I'm but shoot, I know it's fast.
1: I'm shooting a shade over 4,000 with a 50-grain bullet out of my rifle, and that's... When you hit right. one with it, it tumbles. It, you know? I mean, oh, I, uh, you can a twenty-two two hundred and fifty does so much damage on the spot, and it's just uh, the ballistics of the bullet. You know, it's not a like a deer rifle. When that bullet hits, it's going to peel back, it's going to mushroom, mm-hmm. and it's going to exit. A coyote rifle, a twenty-two two hundred and fifty or a varmint bullet is not made to do that. It's made to hit and then break off and fragment. So you get no exit hole. But there's something I tell people sometimes. If you shoot, say you're deer hunting and you shoot a 300 mag, right? Mm-hmm. You're shooting a, a 30 caliber bullet at a certain velocity, a certain, you, you hit it with a certain amount of energy, right? And then when that bullet exits the animal, it exits with a certain amount of energy. So the amount of energy that you put into that animal is however much it hit it with minus however much it exits with. Hmm. Does that make sense at all? Yes, it does. So if you shoot a deer with a 30 odd six, you hit it with a certain amount of energy and it exits with a certain amount of energy. Chances are you put the same amount of energy into that animal mm-hmm. if you get an X ex- L. Oh, does that make sense at all? Yes. So uh but with twenty two fifty, you don't lose any energy. Whatever the energy of that bullet has is what it puts into it because of the design of the bullet. Disintegrates
0: basically. Yeah, and
1: that's one of the reasons it's so effective. That's why when you hit a coyote with it or you hit a groundhog with it or something like that, the animal is instant down. down. Yeah, it's pretty much they they hardly ever go anywhere. It's like one of the most effective ways to, to hunt is with a barm gun and barma bullet, so Pretty, it's pretty sweet though. Got into a, I like talking technical about mm-hmm. my rifle. So my brother is
0: God, he's got every damn device on. Or he does his own reloading. Um, he's got the, the gadget that measures muzzle velocity. He's uh-huh. got a
1: chronograph. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a pistol guy because I'm not very good. At them.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm not either, but I love it.
1: Pistol oh, I, shooting's fun. I'm getting a lot better than I used to be. I pistol hunt for deer every year. I never have taken well, Chad one. Chad uses that 454 Casul. That's what I used to. <laughs> same exact gun. Me and Chad have the same exact gun. And uh, I've, I mean, I've had 20 yard shots at deer on the ground with it. And I'm like, uh, come 10 yards closer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I hold off for that <laughs> shot because I want to. with that 454 Casull,
0: You're going to have to get new wrists if y'all hunt for
1: yeah. too long. Oh, I love that gun. I mean, it's a, it's a beast. But I just know that if I get a good 10, 15 yard shot at a doe, with that console, and I put it in the shoulder. I mean, that dough is it's going down. I'm packing it out from wherever it's standing, because mm-hmm. that's exactly where it's going down at. So, and that's kind of, that's kind of the goal with a pistol. I'm I'm not as confident shooting a pistol as I am a rifle or even a bow. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, I take a 30 yard shot with a bow. I'm not taking a 30 yard shot with a pistol. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's 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 actually much more challenging pistol hunting than even archery hunting for me. And that's just part of that's just uh, experience. Mm-hmm. I do it two times a year. Versus 150 with my bow, so. plinking, flinking with a pistol oh, yeah. is just oh, tons man. of fun. A tw- like a 22 mm-hmm. pistol, like one of the little revolver. I revolver. I love it. I also
0: have a 19, um, I've got a Model 68 that dates from the early 40s. That was my grandfather's. A Winchester Model 68. 22. Yes, it has the old windage sights, and it has the long target sight in the front. And... Uh, it's you pull it back and then you move a lever over and that's your safety.
1: It's got a plunger on it. Yes. Basically a plunger style. Yeah. They, uh, you're talking about the sights, you know. That thing is accurate as. It's it like good. a, it's like a peep sight style.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the peep sight styles are my favorite. Even if it's a front post, I like a rear peep. Mm-hmm. And if I wish every rifle came with a rear peep, but that's just that has something to do with target shooting in the past. You know, I got used to shooting peep sights and mm-hmm. now just the old uh, the bars and. You know, the V-slot, it just, it, you can't be nearly as accurate as you can with the peep site. In my experience. That's I just, agree. Yeah, but uh anyway, we're getting way off late. I've
0: got some little things if you're going to go fish the tailwater that you need to look at before you go.
1: The tailwaters of the Cumberland? Yeah, the, the generation schedule,
0: how fast the water moves, things like yeah, that. Yeah, I
1: like. actually had that written down on mine too. Um, generation and schedule or... Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Derby City Fly Fishers has a chart on their website that tells you one turbine's three miles per hour. Two turbines, five miles per hour. Three or more, at six miles per hour. That's the flow, and, and it shows you like if you're at this, you're you're what you're, you're. If they're flowing that much, you're going to get water in this many hours. You're going to get water in this many hours. You're going to get water in this many. Hours.
1: If as far as being downstream, mm-hmm. so, so say you're five miles downstream, mm-hmm. and they open up, how many turbines is five miles an hour? Um, three, two. So if they open up two, it'll take you an hour before you fill it. Um, that doesn't seem right, does it?
0: Well, it it'll get there, and, and yeah. yeah, it will.
1: About an hour before you feel it, mm-hmm. before them.
0: the beginning of it. now. Remember, it takes a four hours to flow out. Yeah. if it's been three turbines or more, it takes a four hours.
1: I've hour. seen that. I've seen that water come up, and it does come up quick. So I mm-hmm. guess that that's probably well, about it's just, right.
0: It's just like a snake that ate a rat. You know,
1: yeah. it's like. Whoa. Have you ever seen a, a creek really just blow out all at once?
0: Yeah, on Elkhorn. One time we went waiting at uh, there's office bottoms near yeah. Indian Head Rock. Yeah, and we crossed and we fished and we noticed the water got dirty
1: so you were crossed over there by the grove mm-hmm. yeah. okay yeah indian In head rock, rock i never knew that's what that was called mm-hmm. and it makes perfect sense i always just imagine when i'm fishing down there looking up and seeing a big bobcat or a cougar or something up there on top because it's like the way that rock is with the creek and if everything you see
0: it from the from the upstream side. Yeah. It does the profile uh, does have one movement.
1: of my favorite places to uh wade fish. No, I didn't wade, I just walk out on that rock bar. They mm-hmm. gave the landowner there gave me permission, you know mm-hmm. who it is. They gave me permission to uh park down there on their private spot and uh walk out onto that rock bar and I'd go out there and I'd just fish, my dog would swim and stuff like that. But that's where you're talking about, if you're upstream mm-hmm. looking at that. Yeah, it's very cool looking. Very cool looking.
0: Now, that area also, uh, there's a new book that's I'm going to review for our summer issue. I'm reading avidly. It's going to come out in October on the Oak Court, uh-huh. written by a man by the name of Richard Taylor. He was a poet laureate in Kentucky, and it's fabulous. Uh-huh. If you look at the White House there in Church's Grove, that's the church house and its log, and it's on the National Historic Register. And according to legend, um, one of the family members saw a Native American, from their second-story balcony, and that's about to attack. Um, and that's, according to legend, that's where one of the last Native Americans of Franco County was, was, was uh,
1: taken. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. So you were there, though. <laughs> we got off topic. I like getting off topic, though, mm-hmm. because that's an interesting kind of stuff to me. I like knowing those stories. Somewhere I fished, Fifty times. I never knew that story, so...
0: Look, next time, look. Next look time, up there oh and,
1: yeah, now, now I'm thinking about it. And see,
0: you'll see what, what, what you're talking
1: about. So you were there one Some time, Some people
0: though. say the Indian Head Rock is because of that story. Uh-huh. That, that, uh That, I believe it was one of the girls of the family, mm-hmm. if memory serves
1: correctly. Um, what year <clears> would that have been? Because the, This was in the 1790s. Okay. Well, so... It's, it's, and what was that family's name? Church. That's okay. why it's called Church's Grove. Well, I see, you know, one of the people who lives there now, his first name is Church. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's what always that, comes That's to a family out. name. Okay. So it's the same family. Because mm-hmm. I know his family acquired it during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. They, I think it was, was it not the Civil War?
0: I think they go back to Revolutionary War grant. So
1: maybe it was, a, okay, I knew it was a, a land grant based on some service that somebody somebody was a general mm-hmm. in the American Army. I believe so. And that was a Revolutionary War. So yes. that I always thought that farm had been in the family for 170 years. It's been in the family for 200 years. Yes, 250 years, really. That's wild. If that's memory a, serves correctly, that's I'll a, know more next time. That's amazing. No, I mean, I, but I
0: wrote a piece about that. and I remember, but it's been three years. But I've told that story quite a few
1: times. No, that's right? a that's a pretty cool story. But you were you were there, and you had one of those big waves come through of water.
0: So. And we couldn't hardly get, we had to do a chain to get back across. Really? And this was, we fished maybe an hour and a half. Wow. And we just saw it go.
1: Well, one time I was uh, hunting uh, WMA in in Richmond, uh, Miller Welch. Mm-hmm. I, I know it well. I was deer hunting with one of my buddies down there, Bobby, and we were on the south side of the WMA. So we went all the way around and parked, I, I can't remember the name of that road, maybe Indian Gap or something like that. I can't remember. We are on the very far south side of the WMA, closest to the Pinnacles in Berea. And if you just walk a couple of ridges over, there's a, a medium-sized creek that flows through there. Mm-hmm. And we were set up uh, deer hunting together on that on that creek, and all of a sudden you just hear, you know, like a... a is that Muddy Creek? I don't know. That's not Muddy Creek there. I'm not sure what creek. This is a small creek. Okay. I mean, it's not as wide as this room is. But you start hearing this noise coming, it sounds like, you know... Just heavy wind blowing or something coming, in and it gets closer and it's water rushing. And then all of a sudden, all at once, a wave of water just comes through this creek. I mean, the creek grows a foot and a half in a matter of five seconds. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, I never have seen anything like it that water just rushed through there all at once. But anyway, so talking about that water rushing through, and we were just talking about trout fishing on the Cumberland River. Mm-hmm. That's something you got to worry. That's and, kind of how we that go happens
0: below yeah. Wolf Creek Dam too. Yeah. Except it's it's uh, a made, not
1: yeah. nature made. And like I said, I've seen it one time before. I think on this podcast. You know, I talk to people about stuff all the time. Sometimes it's hard for me to remember where I said something at. But like you've, you, you've know this too. I'm sure some people say put a ten dollar bill under a yeah. rock. Yeah, yeah. so put you a ten
0: dollar bill under a rock. I think I may have told that story before.
1: You. Yeah, that uh, that water rises quickly. And And you uh, need
0: to get out when it starts coming up.
1: But you gotta know what's going on. And the good thing about it is you can look the day before Mm -hmm. and get a generation schedule. It's like uh that's guaranteed by six PM Eastern time. Yes. The day before. And
0: it's still subject to change, but it's usually what, what they say. Yeah. Go to the Nashville District of the US Army Corps of Engineers website, then click on the missions, it'll come up. Water information and hit water management. And that'll bring you up to a page that has all the lakes, and you'll see generation pre-schedule.
1: I looked at it the other day, and I just Google searched uh, Wolf Creek release yeah. schedule or yeah, something. Yeah, you that. can do that. If yeah. you And I think it's a TVA website, right? Yeah, and
0: I, you can go to the TVA, and then there's one. They're, they're the same.
1: Yeah, you can just. But if you're wanting to go fish right. on the Cumberland below. The one on the
0: water management gives you by the hour a little bit
1: better. Oh, yeah. This one breaks it down. Yeah, it just says. By how
0: many turbines and stuff. They'll yeah. just say generation two or more from blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah. The uh, but if you're wanting to go fish below Wolf Creek Dam on the Cumberland, it's something you definitely need to look at. Yes, you have to. And uh, Wade fishing, you're probably good one or less, one or less yes. to get out there and Wade. I've
0: waited at one; it's not too bad.
1: Uh, I think I yeah. I've waited at one as well. Um, and as they were opening number two, and as number two made its way to me, it was no longer no very good.
0: They'll knock you off your feet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just and the water rises; it gets much deeper. I mean, I uh, and it's really
0: cold. And hypothermia cold.
1: Like. I think it might be too deep to trust waders when two are open.
0: Yes, exactly. And so, if it fills your waders, that is a very dangerous situation, especially in water that cold.
1: Yeah, hadn't happened to me before, but hopefully it doesn't. Usually I'm out there in shorts, not in the Cumberland River. But most, I've most done lucky. that
0: first few times I went there. I went shorts, so I waded out to knee deep. <laughs> After about a few minutes, all of a sudden, you're like, your joints are throbbing, yeah. your skin is lobster-colored, throbbing pink as it's so cold. Like an ice bath. I was out there on. We were in a boat and uh, doing some, uh, taking some photos, and there was this guy and he was like waist deep and I said, hey buddy, uh, how you doing? Caught any fish? He's like, oh, I've caught a few. I said, uh, aren't you cold? And I've tried to do that. Uh, I couldn't hike it very long. He said, oh, after about ten minutes, you go numb.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> not a good sign. I
0: was like, oh. Well, have a good day. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think when the pain goes away, that's a defense mechanism. Yeah, that's body's it. the me.
0: body's saying, uh, "You're going into hypothermia.
1: Go home." <laughs> that's funny. Now, I uh, I would like to get down on the Cumberland more often. It's just a little bit of a drive for me here. I want to catch it when it's right. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get out on the out on the lake uh, during that L-wife spawn this year, but I've been told by two people today that I missed it.
0: Yeah, I've heard that too.
1: Chad, it peaked while we were in Florida. Chad told me it was over, and Jeff Bardroff stopped by, and he said it was over. She said it didn't last long this year at all, mm-hmm. which is disappointing because catching striper on top water out of a kayak at night is about as good as it could possibly get. No doubt.
0: That yeah. knife, it's a ball.
1: And yep. you'll catch nice walleye, too. Walleye, uh, I caught largemouth last year doing it. But uh, i tell you what, something this year just came to my mind, something I've set, set a goal for myself this summer, right? I want, last year I set a goal for myself, too, and I didn't accomplish it. So this one's going to be different. Cause I feel like the opportunity is there for this one, but I want to learn how to catch a uh, carp on a fly rod because I was and Brooks asked me earlier, he said, why do you, why exactly do you want to do that? And I said, well, I don't think there's any better opportunity to catch big fish mm-hmm. consistently than a carp. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, what other species, I mean, I can go out on the Elkhorn and I can see 15 or 20, 15 to 20 pound carp mm-hmm. a day and that's not true for any other species mm-hmm. you know and if you could and i have a carp in the farm pond next to my house it'd probably got 30 something pounds it's a monster fish not a fly rod that would be incredible there's a yeah. lot of people do it yeah that's what i'm saying i, I just feel like it, is if you want to catch big fish if you like catching big fish carp is a fish that's pretty you know it's it, it, they're everywhere mm-hmm. they're in farm ponds, they're in lakes they're in creeks they're in rivers common carp yeah common carp grass carp and some of them uh koi fish i saw a big orange goldfish in the elkhorn the other day
0: yeah you'll see those
1: yeah escape from ponds i'm mm-hmm. sure but uh so i mean the fish are there and it just seems like a a good challenge and a lot of people do it successfully so it seems like something to learn you ever done it
0: um not on a fly rod no but i've carp fished many a day
1: i'd like to d- i've tried it on spinning tackle before and i never seem to have much luck
0: they're, they're really difficult you <clears> have to kind of find them my understanding is you find them tailing yeah, kind of like a bonefish, and you present a crawfish fly in front of them and hope they kind of suck a, it up.
1: A crawfish would work then. Mm-hmm. Some people were shooting some other uh, flies at me the other day, but I don't remember them. The I'll tell you a carp fishing story real quick. When actually, actually, when I was in Florida, I was out there and uh, I saw all these big carp in this pond, right? So I was like, oh, I gotta catch these carp. This is my what I'm gonna do today is catch these carp. And uh, I didn't have any bait or anything on me. I was just bass fishing these ponds. And there was some cat food somebody put out for stray cats, <laughs> you know. So I walked over there, and I grabbed a handful or two of this cat food, and I stuffed it in my pockets and my shorts. And uh, I walked back over, and some of the cat food was like an X-shape. Some of it was O's, kind of like a Cheerio and all this. So I took all the I think it
0: Meow Mix. Isn't
1: it? Yeah, it might have been Meow Mix. I don't know. But I took the uh, O-shaped ones, and I threaded it onto a hook. So the hook was pretty much completely covered in these O-shaped pieces of cat food, right? No sinker, no bobber. This stuff would float. And then I took the other pieces and I just tossed a handful of them out there. And then I threw my mine with a hook in it out there in the middle of it. And all of a sudden, these carp start swarming. And they're just coming up to the surface and attacking this this cat food I just threw out there, right? And I would sit there and watch them eat every piece of cat food except for the one with the hook in it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was so frustrating. So I take another handful of cat food and I throw it in there and put my hook back out. And they would eat every one of them besides the one with the hook in it. And sometimes they'd come up and I think they were getting ready to T bone my bait. And then all of a sudden they'd stop at the last second and turn. Somehow they could just sense my line or sense there was a hook in it. Or mm-hmm. I have no idea how they did it. Those
0: are edumacated
1: <laughs> Yeah, <arcs.
0: laughs> I mean, they, they literally
1: they had two pockets full of cat food. Mm-hmm. They literally cleaned me dry without touching the one piece that had a hook in it. It was ridiculous. Caught two turtles. Yeah,
0: I've caught a lot of those in Florida too. That's yeah.
1: nice. But anyway, the carp—that's a goal. They've been getting the best of me. I think I put a picture on social media the other day of uh, one that my buddy had shot while we were bow fishing, and then a lot of these carp guys were like, "Just wait till you catch one on a fly rod; you'll—you'll never do anything else," and all this stuff. And I, I got to thinking about it's like, you know what? Well, they pull like crazy. Oh, I'm sure they're huge
0: fish. I've you snagged know, them before. I have a friend who uh, does the carp tournaments and baiting the hole and makes—I mean, they'll spend a thousand dollars a weekend on bait what? You're assigned a you're assigned a section of bank, and then you take a slingshot and boink and throw a big ball, and chum the hole in, and then catch the carp.
1: I say if you have to spend a thousand dollars a week, and I'm out. <laughs> the bass fishing but he, he wins. Yeah. I mean, man, he's really into it. You no know, talking about the uh, carp tournaments. I know it's not the same kind of carp, but we have carp madness coming up mm-hmm. for the Asian carp, and I uh, think we're all going to be down there for that. So we're going to cover that bow fishing tournament. Should be a lot of fun. Night mm-hmm. shoots are always interesting mm-hmm. if you're a videographer. Yes, hard. Oh, filming at night is is definitely more difficult, but at the same time, it's it's almost easier because you don't have to worry about backgrounds as much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I And this is something I don't know if this fits for the show or not, but you can. If you're putting stuff together, obviously you have to cut away. Sometimes you have to, you know, cut the conversation, and and you want it to be fluid. You don't want it to seem like. An obvious cut, and mm-hmm. at night it's easier to use cutaways because mm-hmm. what's in the background, what's in the distance, you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. That's just uh, people might only appreciate that if they do video mm-hmm. and if they edit it. The... Photography at night is tough, especially
0: mm-hmm. fishing photography at night. It's oh, really
1: yeah. tough. Yeah, bass fishing. You have to you have to flash a little bit,
0: and then it'll look like a lightsaber if you overdo it. Or yeah,
1: oh well. Still camera photography is much tougher, I'm yeah. sure, because when you're running a video camera, you have a constant idea what your image is going to look like.
0: There you're just taking
1: yeah. a, Yeah.
0: The yeah. snapshot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a lot of them will be junk. Well, they lo- they'll look good in the finder but they'll be junk when you get them home.
1: Really? Huh. But
0: well, it's just especially with the automatic focus cameras anymore sometimes it won't grab the right thing and you don't know it didn't grab the right thing because it's dark. Yeah. And you'll get home, oh I bet that looked good and it's, it's soft.
1: Yeah. You know a lot of these pictures in this magazine looked awesome. I'm not sure Kevin took a lot of them I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But, but Elby like. took some, um, uh, Kevin uh, took some really nice I think things. I was looking at the elk ones. Yeah, Kevin took those. He did a good job he on He had that. some really good scenic shots. Yeah, he did. Hey, look, uh, look, there's uh,
0: Jeff with some saw guy from Bullets Band Lake. Those are nice ones.
1: I was looking at this uh, yellow perch Marcy had here. Mm-hmm. So that's, that would be a state record if somebody caught it. So she sampled that up and measured it and then said, okay, this is a state record, and put it right back in the yeah. lake. So, so which lake was that? That's a Woods Creek. Woods Creek. So there's a state record yellow perch swimming around Woods Creek right now. Woods Creek's
0: a tough lake to fish. Yeah. you ever fished it?
1: I never have. Nope. Jen clear. And I think that
0: might be a Johnny Appleseed. We also have Northern Pike and Laurel River Lake, too. Really? Mm-hmm. I never, I've never
1: caught like, a Northern. I
0: a uh, Johnny Appleseed.
1: Man, they absolutely destroyed yeah. some Cabin big it some good pictures of the bears, too. Oh, yeah. Did you see the Laurel Lake piece that we just did recently with John Southern?
0: You know, no, I meant to watch it. Oh, I'm,
1: man. So it's kind of... I've, I've, I've
0: fished the lake with him before.
1: With John? Mm-hmm. He has uh, Parkinson's mm-hmm. and uh, he gets out there and just wears out the bass. You know that's what I mean? It great be, smallmouth. Oh, man. He absolutely... Chad is an excellent smallmouth fisherman. Mm-hmm. He put Chad to shame that day. Well, he knows that lake. Yeah, that's right. I'm not saying he's better. He's that much better than Chad, but he knows that lake. I've got, got a lake. ton
0: of pictures that I've used through the years of John holding big fish. John Williams. He'd take John Williams. That's,
1: that's why they went with John Southern is because uh, it was on the advice of uh, John Williams. He mm-hmm. said, the biggest smallmouth he'd ever seen was one that's got guy caught of yeah. seven something pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: And I've got a picture of John's personal best call of his boat, six yeah. and change.
1: When they were going out on the water for this shoot, um, boats, you know, just idling out. And John says, Fishing laurel is an exercise in patience. Mm-hmm. And then he caught a 512 largemouth and a 414 smallmouth on back to back cast. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, <laughs> yeah. When we went out, it was overcast and spitting rain. Yeah. Um, on one little ledge that he showed us, um, we put two over 20 inches in the boat and, and three consecutive casts. Mm. Um, wow. and they had a double and everything. Then the sun came out, we didn't get a bike the rest it.
1: Is that thunder up here? Could be. Oh, gosh. And I was going to go uh, 45 minutes, I was going to be heading to Elkhorn. Are yeah. oh, uh, fishing rods conductors? Yes, <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. They need to start making that art.
0: Yeah, the, I, I was on Elkhorn floating one time. I had to. Head to the hills. I had to run under some trees and hide. I'm assuming
1: of... Knights <clears throat> Bridge would probably be as good a spot as any. But hey, if you're that close to the car, you might as well make it to the car. No
0: doubt. <sighs> if you're not floating, you'll be okay. But we were floating. We had to ditch ditch the boats, pull them up,
1: because there was lightning everywhere. That happened to me on Brashears uh, Creek the other day. And I don't know. You know, normally I'm pretty well prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, I take I try to be prepared. But this is just a last minute thing. One of my buddies asked me if I wanted to go canoeing with him. So we get out and we put in on private property in Shelby County one of his farms. And we're canoeing, I'm almost positive it's Brashears. He goes over Pickett's Dam. Mm-hmm. It's Brashears. Yes. So we put in there and we're canoeing down Brashears. I didn't even take a shirt with me. And we get about, it sounds rough out there, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. We get about uh, 45 minutes into our float and all of a sudden it starts getting dark and you start hearing thunder in the distance and stuff like this. And uh, it starts raining on us slightly. So we say, all right, let's get out. Let's just wait this out. It's going to be a short shower. And I end up huddled under a tree with my buddy here, and it is hailing. And I don't even have a shirt. I don't even bring a shirt with me. So I'm just sitting there getting, you know, pelted by little balls of ice waiting for the storm to pass. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it, it was a short-lived storm. It only lasted 15 minutes or so. But got back out on the water and got back after it. But it was...
0: You know, ours went through quick, and I was like, "Man, this will put the fish down." We slayed after that. Yeah. Normally, a heavy thunderstorm will put the fish down for a while.
1: Oh, I didn't even fish that day. We were just out there enjoying the scenery, saw a rookery, a bunch of stuff like that. But I never had been so felt so unprepared. It's when I was sitting there in a hailstorm with uh, soaking wet swimming trunks on, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah, just yeah, got to be more prepared. That usually I'll take like a waterproof jacket in my backpack, you know, just. A headlamp. I'm barely prepared. Mm-hmm. Not that day. The one day I didn't prepare was the one day I needed to be. Oh well, I live. Yeah, you're still here. I might have told you about that trip because it was the same day that the the kayaker in Marion County went over the dam. Oh, okay. Yeah, I might have already talked about. It. I, sometimes things get repeated. I tell stories, you know. Mm-hmm. Tell stories to you. Tell stories to other buddies, and things run together. Yeah,
0: they they just they found him two days later, didn't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. something
1: like that. Uh, was he still on the dam?
0: I, I don't
1: know where they found it. I can't but remember. I remember. hey
0: dams
1: are incredibly dangerous. That's exactly place. what Pickett's is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Pickett's Dam in Shelbyville. It's a lot of uh, some good fish in there. When the water gets hot, those fish gather up right underneath that dam. Mm-hmm. And there's almost a, uh, <clears throat> a spot. So when there's almost no water coming over the dam, I'll go up there and I'll check it out. I mean, I'm talking about a trickle of water. And that water that does come over hits several feet off the dam. And that's what creates that boil Mm -hmm. when it circulates back on itself. But when there's not any water actually circulating, as in the water coming over the dam, isn't actually making it deep enough into the the pool Mm -hmm. to create any kind of flow or anything like that. You can tell there's an area back there where it's almost stagnant water. Mm -hmm. And all that oxygenated water is coming over the dam and hitting right in front of it. Mm -hmm. And if you have almost no flow like that, it's a deeper spot. And you can run a bait up in between the water coming over the dam and the dam itself. You will catch a fish every cast. Cool. Hey, you know what I mean? Does mm-hmm. that make sense to you? Yes. That's my theory: is that they're hanging out in that stagnant water, waiting for stuff to come over the come dam. And over
0: the dam and the, the O two level is yeah. Dissolved on It just
1: seems and, uh, yeah, it seems like a great spot. So whenever the water heats up and the creek gets a little bit lower and you know there's less flow, I'll go to that big deep pool of water with that oxygenated water coming over, and I'll catch fish there. Just waiting. Every time I've gone so far this year, which has been two or three times all, I've caught a rock bass from one gar. But oh well. There's small mouse in there. You ever fish that spot, Pickett's? No, I have down at Rivals is where I've made
0: the fish for Shears
1: You're three miles up. You're three miles downstream. Yeah. Four miles downstream. Man. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, There's a big basketball game on tonight I wanted to watch anyway, so catch that instead. Well, I think it's a
0: foregone conclusion
1: he's going to win that, don't you think? Oh, Serious? No, I think it is, but I don't want to think that way. Yeah, I'm ready for LeBron to pull off a miracle. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Cavs fan, so... Yeah, he did. It's, he's, I mean, it's
0: amazing what he's
1: done. Oh, yeah. I didn't know you are a, a basketball fan like that. No, I'm a, I'm a big-time LeBron's fan, LeBron fan. It is amazing what he's done, but that's just... Uh, especially with Kevin Love out her tonight. <laughs> Kevin Love's out, so you basically have LeBron and... Bunch of average guys going up against Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Three of those guys are legitimate All Stars. Mm-hmm. One of them's the second best player in the world. If LeBron somehow pulls it off, I mean, it will truly be a miracle. Mm-hmm. But I would I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, me either. I say it's the largest margin uh, for Game One uh, in Vegas. It's thirteen points right now since uh, two thousand one or something like that. Probably a foregone conclusion. But as a LeBron fan, I mean, I want the guy to win, but if he's going to lose, I mean, I'd rather the odds be stacked. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the Dallas series back in 2011. I really wish uh, he would have won that one, but mm-hmm. oh well. What can you do? Yeah. See what happens. He could still win. He's good enough to do it, but I even ask myself, what does LeBron have to do for the Cavs to win? And I think – well, what if he had 50 point triple doubles? What if he averaged a 50 point triple double? <laughs> and I still can't. And he still so, like that. I still don't know if that's
0: enough. You know what I mean? Like, but, you know, I didn't think he'd get past Boston, so we'll see.
1: Well, I didn't have that much faith. With with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, I don't think he would have. Mm-hmm. But uh, even when they were down 0 2 to Boston, I was still thinking, because I have faith in LeBron to come up big, but pretty big odds. Mm-hmm. And his pretty big thing stacked against him going against Golden State. Yeah, no doubt. Only one person's ever beat him, and that was with a Kyrie, and that was with a Kevin Love when the other team didn't have a Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, no doubt. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what I'll do today. Go get ready for that, cook some food, and uh, do that. If this rain keeps coming down, I'm I'm not going to go be miserable. I did catch a five-and-a-half pounder out of my farm pond the other day. So really? If I could catch I think it. I saw a picture of that. Yeah, you might have. I saw that fishing with my grandpa. Yeah, my little I brother. Saw that. Yeah, it was fun. And okay. I'd only ever caught dinks out of there. I think I told you that... Uh, it was overpopulated and the bass were stunning and I couldn't catch anything over 14 inches. Well, The other day I went frog gigging over there, uh, first night of frog gigging season, and I was just walking around the bank with a flashlight and you're looking for frogs and I happened to see a three and a half or four pound largemouth and I thought to myself, oh, oh man, <laughs> so there are a couple of good fish in here. Mm-hmm. The very next time I went fishing, I mean, bam, that drag started reeling on me. I was like, oh boy, here we go. Something good and sure enough, five, five and a half maybe. Somebody told me there were seven pounders in there, but. I don't know if I believe it. Mm -hmm. I believe it when I catch one. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) No doubt. I'll keep fishing. Maybe the big fish were just out deep earlier or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But all of a sudden, they were showing up. They aren't coming up the creek. I can promise you that. Oh, well, Lee. That's all right. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. We got a little bit before we get out of here. Later Uh,
0: this summer, we'll go... uh, We'll hit the tailwater again.
1: Yeah. of I the summer is a great,
0: and we'll go over some lure recommendations and stuff on oh. how to catch
1: them. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd like to get out there and do it myself. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, if you are you going to go down there and fish it at all? I'd like to, yes. Let's, uh, well, if you happen to go and you need a fishing buddy, you just let me know. Cool. We but, need some photos. Well, let's go, uh, let's go to the Elkhorn here soon. Okay. Whenever, I don't know, I mean, this rain that comes through today is going to be quick, too. It's not going to blow it out. We could probably get out there and fish it tomorrow, but mm-hmm. if you get a break, uh, Sometime soon, you want to go fishing. I'd like to go float it with you. Cool. I took the Hobie down the other day, and the Hobie held up just fine. So yeah, it's. I, I saw it on top of your vehicle. Oh yeah. Well, I, when the weather was nice last week, I was just. You kept it on there, didn't you? Oh uh, yeah, I'll just ride around with it. And I took it off, and the two days I needed it were the two days I didn't have it. <laughs> That's how it worked. Yeah. Brother. Oh well. Anyway, let's hit it soon. Let's hit the Elkhorn soon. Let's do another podcast here within the next week or so. That'd be fine. Do you know who I'd like to get in here? Leia. I'd like to get. I just saw her. So. Yeah. Well, she's doing, their press release tomorrow is mm-hmm. tomorrow for Kentucky Wild. And I'll be there. Too. I'll be there as well. We're going to do a live feed form on Facebook, I believe. And, uh, you know, we keep saying tomorrow. I keep saying uh, the basketball games tonight.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: May 31st. Yeah, today is May 31st. This podcast, because it's already almost time for this work that to be over, will be going out tomorrow. So mm-hmm. we will be one day late on those June calls. 1. Yep, June one. So. Last night's basketball game, we're going to go ahead and predict Golden State won it. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to hope LeBron came up big. And right now, me and Lee are both at a uh, press release for Kentucky Wild. Yeah. But uh, let's have Leon soon to talk about that, because I think that's an interesting program. We'll
0: do that next week. for sure. It's coming
1: up. And uh, anybody else, I'd like to talk. I uh-huh. want to talk more hunting, because we've talked a lot of fishing lately. Mm-hmm. So it'd be fun to get back into the hunting swing of it. But nothing's open right now. Frog gigging is mm-hmm. in. how I mean, frog eating is a lot of fun. It's a great to eat them, but I don't know how great a podcast. Will be.
0: Ideas coming up, and I've written down
1: so you got a ton of them
0: mm-hmm. and a lot of them are the ones we talked about before. But you know, Easton would be a good person to have.
1: On. Easton would be good. They got the free fishing weekend coming up, mm-hmm. so uh, we yes, can, he's going to be at the event here, and I believe that the biggest event is going on at our Cave Run at that hatchery. Mm-hmm. What's that called? I can't think of what it's called. Minor Clark. Yeah, Minor Clark. So uh, he'll have some stuff to talk about. If we don't do it before, then we'll do it right after. And, and
0: one I'd like to do just for fun when it's over the summer is talk about the Cumberland. We'll talk about some lures, and we'll also talk about some of the cool spots to go that's on the river. Oh, yeah. When you're down there. Like so.
1: historic reasons. Yes.
0: And, and also access spots. We'll go over that next time.
1: All right. I cool. mean,
0: as we get on, because summer is really a good time because it's predictable release yeah.
1: schedule. So it's well, almost the same thing every day, right? Every day. So yeah. we'll get more into that. Yeah, right now, I was looking at the release schedule the other day, and it was... Uh, over the two-day period, I was looking at the history of it, and the predictor for the next day was completely different every day. Mm-hmm. So,
0: but but now you you oh wow that's right. I,
1: I just looked out the window. And, <laughs> <laughs> you still think I'm going to be okay? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a minute. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, a little bit uh looking a little swirly out there. Yeah, I'd, I'd be casting if,
0: if, if I just put in and like it was a bow from the put in. I'd be like, this is not good.
1: Yeah, I'd be trying to crawl in the front compartment of the Hobie. (laughs) 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 I'd be casting whichever way the wind was blowing. No
0: doubt. I'd be hunkered down in the Kilroy. Just lay down in it. Man,
1: that's ridiculous. All right, Lee, let's wrap it up. I'm going to go. But we'll we'll hit the river again. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. it,
0: But we'll talk about more in depth. More on the, we got uh, what happened, the history, and also what to look for before you go. Here in a few weeks, we'll come back. Little recommendations of cool historic spots you can fish and, and look for.
1: Talk to Leia, Talk to Easton. Yes. And let's get some other people on, too. No doubt. All right. Let's do it, Lee. All right, man. Thanks for listening.